Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are discussing a paper that's titled Impacts of Adiposity on Exercise Performance in Horses. And this is by Shannon Pratt-Phillips and Ahmed Munjinsen. And the simple summary for this paper is increased incidence of obesity in our equine population has clear negative impacts on equine health, such as increasing the risk of equine metabolic syndrome and laminitis. Excessive adipose tissue, which is fat tissue, likely also has negative impacts on exercise performance due to a combined inflammatory response and the effects of excessive weight carriage on work effort and limb health. So this review explores the research that's conducted in these areas. And for this paper, I thought this paper packed such a punch, Nancy, because it's got so much information crammed in there, but it's broken down into really easily digestible paragraphs. And I think there's something everyone can take away from reading this paper. Yeah. And Dr. Pratt Phillips is one of my favorite equine physiologists and nutritionists. She has a real heart for trying to ward off laminitis in especially ponies and in breeds that have a genetic predisposition um, to uh, equine metabolic syndrome. Now, I've heard her speak at various conferences. So when this paper came across, which it's a 2023 paper, um, I immediately thought we've got to read this one. She always talks in such a Um, good way. She writes in a good way as well. And something that owners can understand. And you can just see that's her main research goal is to help people not um, to have these ponies go through laminitis and insulin resistance and all these endocrine disorders that seem to be running rampant in our horse populations. And I think it's all due to overweight horses. And as she points out to judges, almost encouraging the overweight horse uh, by rewarding uh, placings and points to those horses that are well-bodied. Yeah, because you often hear people saying about horses being in quote, good condition but it's such a subjective thing. And I thought that really stood out to me in this paper when they actually spoke to horse owners of um, horses that were used for showing competitive purposes. And when they showed them horses that were a healthy weight on a body condition score, so that's a five on a nine point scale, five is healthy, six is overweight, and then seven upwards is in obesity. But these owners deemed five to be underweight but that was because they were so conditioned to seeing horses that were of this quote-unquote 
good condition for showing. So they thought that their horses were the normal weight or the benchmark, but actually their horses had excess weight. And the fact that they pointed out in this, that many studies have shown upwards of 50% of the equine population is overweight. I just thought that was mind blowing with 15 to 30% of that being classed as obese. So they said the number of overweight horses has been reported to reach between 22 to 50 percent in the USA and between 31 to 72 percent in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And um, for each body weight condition score, research has shown that once you get above five, it increases 20 to 25 kilograms of fat weight on that horse. So 20 uh, kilograms would be around 44 pounds. And then 25 kilograms would be 55 pounds. So if you're talking a jumping horse, that horse is coming down with a whole lot more ground reaction force than what it should be. And I think, didn't she say that it affects um, gait movement? It increases heat stress and heat and humidity uh, conditions. And then over time, you could see how that uh, joint concussion would cause arthritis development. And so that's not even taking in the metabolic issues that can crop up, especially as a horse is, um, as they age. Yeah, they found in both front and hind limbs of overweight ponies, there was more asymmetry and more altered movement in their gait, which was interesting. Um, that 20 to 25 kilogram added weight is something that I think is fascinating from the point of view that if we see a horse that's a body condition score of seven or eight, or even unfortunately the highest, which is nine, that's to be a body condition score of seven when they should be a five that's them carrying an extra 55 up to 55 kilograms of weight so it's really it's an excessive amount and I think when we think of that in relation to thoroughbreds which they mentioned in this like that would be unheard of like they even says I think it was an extra 10 kilograms on a thoroughbred increased um their oxygen consumption by 15 percent yes was that right nancy i need to find that stat no but um, it had a massive effect it did and you know um just amazing um you know what we talked about last week with the electrical uh, impulses within the heart if it's working 15 percent harder is that going to affect the fibrillations that may occur over time. I mean, we could, uh, basically we're just overfeeding our horses. I think the paper said that these obesity rates and overweight rates were due to work, you know, light work levels. So a lot of times you get a horse and you don't necessarily ride as routinely as, as the horse requires, especially in spring and summer. And then um, your high quality feeds that we now buy for our horses. I mean, it used to be what oats and hay, and that was about it back in the, the 1800s and early 1900s. And then also um, 
the lack of understanding of how to assess adiposity. And the way I always assess it is, number one, look at the neck and see if there's a crest starting to form. And number two, it's along that withers and shoulder area. If you see fat accumulating there, that's a problem. And then also above the tail head, if it's pretty cushy there, then, um, you know, you need to probably reduce some um, feed and increase exercise. I've also implemented a grazing muzzle for the first time on, on my pony. We've had weather conditions here um, in our area where um, early April, mid-April, we had a lot of rain and then we had warm temperatures. So grass grew and became green relatively early this spring. And then we were hit with a cold front that dropped our lows to well below 40. So we know 40 degrees Fahrenheit um, is the target temperature where sugars really um, go into the root system overnight for protection so that grass is under stress. And then the next day as the sun is out, it draws that concentrated sugar to the top of the leaf or the stem. And horses just love to nip those off. And unfortunately, high calorie, high sugar, um, the worst thing for my pony at, at this point. So I did implement a grazing muzzle and it's going good. She's not objecting. Um, she does paw the grass and get it extremely vertical so she can nip it through that grazing muzzle. But Kate and I were saying those smart little ponies, you know, you, you just can do the best you can with them. And then uh, the main thing is I'm happy to say she can drink with that muzzle on. So uh, we'll see first year to try this because I just think with the conditions, I can't out exercise the lushness of the grass. Um, it reminds me actually, Nancy, when you were describing it there of the episode we did on the forage friends and freedom and yes. um, what was the name of the researcher that gave that talk Can that you remember? Was, yeah that was natalie warren natalie warren it was and yeah. she was talking about how with ponies if you put that grass muzzle on them and turn them out it works really effectively as long as you bring them in with the muzzles still on yes. because ponies are just so smart if you turn them out normally every day say they're out for eight hours and then you implement a grass muzzle for six hours in those remaining two hours for they are muzzle free they will make up for the six hours that they were wearing the muzzle so they will just absolutely cram as much um, forage in as they can. So that is an important one to know if you do use the grass muzzles. But that's great that she's taken to it so well and doesn't well, seem too bothered. I mean, it seems like it's great from the sense of it giving her a little bit of mental busy work as well. Well, and you're so right, Kate. I put it on and I was worried she was not getting enough water because I did not see her come up to the water trough. So I brought her in and took it off and exercised her. And then when I was done, there was about another hour left for her to be turned out. And I thought, okay, maybe she'll drink water. Cause I offered 
a bucket of water to her and, and she didn't want it. So I turned her out. She practically went headfirst into that pasture, eating it the biggest mouthfuls I have ever seen. <laughs> and I thought to myself, there's no way she's going to drink water. She is totally like starving at this point. So I can't um, not. I have to have that on her or it'll completely deplete the purpose because she, um, you know, she just takes in, I think, three times as much grass as yeah. she normally would. So anyway, you're right. You're right there. I witnessed it. And then um, the see, this is day four. This morning, for the first time, I saw her up at the water trough drinking water with the grazing muzzle on. So that was my main concern. So I think we're over the hurdle now. If she figures out how to get it off, that could be <laughs> my next hurdle. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say that because the next step is she's going to figure out how to rub her head on a post and yeah. get that over her ear. Yeah. Um, but- hopefully not. Hopefully she just still works at being more... Um, sleuthful at getting grass in through the sides and into the top of it she's and then at one point I had to go out and readjust it because she figured out I've got the breathe easy style of grazing muzzle she figured out if she tipped it just slightly she could eat through the nose holes and those are bigger than the mouth hole so I had to readjust it so it's a learning process but I wanted to Um, say on that body condition scoring about that research that said owners do not recognize overweight, obese animals as well as they should. And in fact, um, they underestimate the body condition of their horses. And I think I I have been uh, guilty of that myself because you look at them, you think you can feel ribs and, you know, you do the whole body condition scoring. I think you're always prone to underestimate the fatness of your horses. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of emotion tied into it too because we do live in a society where um, emotion is tied into eating and into how we perceive our bodies. And it's constantly kind of thrown at us, I suppose. We're bombarded a lot with um what you know fitness or what we should be doing what we shouldn't be doing and that will subconsciously carry over into our pets and when you're seeing them every single day it's going to be harder for you to notice when they're putting on weight so I think when you go to feel their ribs each time because it's subjective so it's not a real distinct measurable thing I mean me and Nancy can both look at the same horse and we can have slight margins in what we think their body condition score is because it is, it's how you perceive them. But I think as an owner, you might press a little harder to feel those ribs every time and not really think about it. So that's why it's great to have someone come in and do it that has no emotional investment. You know, they're just looking at the animal they're feeling them and they don't have that attachment to wanting to treat them or wanting to give them you know an easy day or feeling bad for them because they don't have that kind of background connection and I always thought that was an important aspect when we would do weight clinics in veterinary nursing a lot of the time I mean we have a huge obesity problem in all domestic animals and 
the obesity problem is us, the owners of us. We would have the owners come in and we would ask them first what they thought their dog or cat was on the scale. And we would show them the scale and they could see all the different things. And we would have like pictures of a cat or a dog at each part of the scale, the same as the horse one is. And they would always underestimate what their pet was. And then we would go through and show them how to feel and explain what um, body condition score the animal is. But it has such an impact on, like this paper brings up dogs as well, because it puts such stress on the joints of animals. And it does on people as well. And I've experienced that firsthand. And even the inflammatory response fat cells have so the more fat cells you have in your body, um, this is very shortened down. <laughs> so there's a lot more science behind it. But basically, it causes an inflammatory response in your body. And your body kind of sees those fat cells as inflammatory markers. So if there is arthritis, the extra weight exasperates that because of the force on the joint, but also because it keeps sending off these signals for inflammation and the joint is already inflamed because of the arthritis. So it becomes this kind of cyclical issue that we need to try and break. Um, And I just thought this paper was so good. Like it goes into all these areas. And I think we've talked about Cresty Neck scores before on here. So your body condition score and your Cresty Neck score, they are subjective, but they are absolutely useful. And I think you know, having someone else have a look is always beneficial. So if you're worried you're being too kind, or even if you're worried you're being too harsh, have someone else have a look. Um, If you do have a horse that's really overweight, I would really advise that you seek um, a registered equine nutritionist or a veterinary surgeon or a veterinary nurse to work out a proper ration to carefully reduce that weight because it's quite dangerous in horses to suddenly cut down on how much you're feeding them. We need to do that real slow and steady for their health. And as Nancy mentioned with her pony being out in the paddock, acting like it's absolutely starving because it's not wolfing into the hay. When it goes back into that stable at night, it's getting all that bulk in the hay in the stable and the forage. So we're just trying to cut down on the high calorie grass but it's still getting all the forage it needs when it goes back to the stable. So it is a little bit of a fine balance. And if you do have a pony that's overweight, do seek help initially to get on the right track to getting them to lose the weight. And also it's always worth having the vet to come out to see them in case they do have one of these other conditions that's underlying or that's maybe just starting to come to the fore that they're going to need treatment for as well. Yeah, and I always thought this grazing muzzle, they can still get a little bit of grass, just not huge mouthfuls. So it's kind of like us eating an M&M versus a whole handful. So um, it does cut back quite a bit. And I can already tell a difference that when she comes in uh, in the evening, it doesn't look like she ate the whole pasture. So, <laughs> no, they, and then through the night, she would digest all that. But I mean, now she's coming in and her body shape is not that different. So um, the other thing is she is cleaning up all her 
uh, forage hay. So she might get a little lower quality hay to help because she doesn't need the calories, but she's still getting that percentage body weight of forage that she needs to keep her digestion working properly. And then I also wanted to say that objective, um, oh, I guess measurements, you can do um, like when a horse um, dies and they do a necropsy, they can do a carcass evaluation of how much body fat that horse had. And that has helped us in research to be able to assess from the outside what may be going on in the inside because fat can be internal as well and it can put pressure on the heart and the kidneys and the lungs and you know a lot of times a heavier horse is breathing heavier and has trouble with heat dissipation in the summer months so um, that's an added benefit if you can get your horse at an ideal body condition score You'll help all those internal organs as well. And a lot of times what's on the outside, like the tail head, the withers, crusty neck, shoulder, um, is indicative of what may be going on on the inside with that fat. So um, another way is ultrasound uh, sub-Q fat evaluation. And then they can measure total body water, which uh, fat doesn't, you know, absorb water or have water in it. So they can tell how much fat is in a horse by the amount of water that it, it's, it, that's in other tissues. And then there's bioelectric impedance and morphometric measures. Now, you know me, the morphometric measures got my attention. And the newest iPad Pro actually has a LIDAR scanner, which will scan in 3D, and you can take measurements of your horse, implement it into that picture, and it will tell you how much body fat the computer estimates. It's definitely kind of a neat, uh, affordable way if you have an iPad that will take a 3D photo, you measure different aspects. There is a paper in the references of this paper that tells you how to use that iPad to make those um, fat measurements on a horse. And I thought that was pretty neat. And, but, you know, you really have to take into account your input, your uh, angle of photography. And so it might not be a hundred percent accurate, but I think if you know, even just pointing you in the direction of too much fat is better than uh, not enough. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because there are so many different ways we can measure it. And it is just about kind of working out what's going to work best for your horse as well. And actually, on that note, I did want to point out that the paper talks about um certain breeds of horse are obviously heavier than others. So ones, horses that are naturally heavier and have a bigger build would likely have heavier bone to support that extra force and weight. So a smaller horse as well that's carrying extra loads as fast will have some degree of bone remodeling 
to support the body weight as in humans, but perhaps not sufficiently and tendon support will still be negatively impacted. So it is interesting how the bone can change in horses with this added weight because it needs to try and support the body because of the stress it's being put under. But there are certain breeds, obviously, like when we think about, you know, our big heavy breeds, like our Clydesdales and things like that, they're going to have a heavier bone density to try and support that frame because they've evolved and they're genetically created to be that way. It's not us that necessarily posed that problem on them. Yeah, and I did find that uh, in the paper, Kate, on that iPad scanner. Um, it says another novel system has been developed to objectively quantify body volume using three-dimensional scanning methodology. This system could be used to monitor changes in volume due to either fat gain or loss or muscle development or wasting. Torso volume was correlated with tail head fat in quarter horses. This technology shows promise as it appears to be high accuracy or to show high accuracy and requires no contact and is available at a low cost. So that's that new iPad Pro um, 3D scanning that comes automatically on your iPad. Now, I don't know if it's on iPhones or not, but there's something to think about. Uh, if you have a scanner that'll do 3D photography, look up that paper. It's Masura et al. And it uh, is a 2021. It's listed at the end of this paper because I think that could be a really neat measuring device. Yeah. And something that would be accessible then, no matter where you are. And I think if you're in a more rural based area, that's a tool that you could probably use in conjunction with a vet as well to just yeah. get more metrics or to send in or, you know, that we're under a bit of a crisis now with having vets and being able to get them out to um, to farms. So anything that we can use that's going to help us, you know, aid us in any way is going to be very useful. But that one sounds very promising. And it did say it has good accuracy. Yeah, I, you know, it was the water measurement that overestimates fat mass. So the deuterium oxide, and, you know, that seems like it's kind of complicated to use. So, but an iPad Pro scanner, or maybe an iPhone scanner, fully, I mean, we all have cameras on our phones. So, uh, you might, you know, I think I'll look into that to see what technology um, you need or what iPhone or iPad, um, you probably the most recent, but I don't know, you look into it and just see how to uh, figure that out. And then uh, the only other thing I wanted to say is this paper said that the adiposity can affect um, reproduction because it does not allow a mare to go into an estrus during the winter. And the paper does point out that this excessive adiposity or excessive fat cells may contribute to potentially shortened careers and or the lives of these equine partners. So it is a welfare issue. And their last sentence, I think, really is very 
um, important. So the current trends in many equine disciplines that appear to reward excess conditions, so fat in other words, and the increased overall incidence of obesity that is occurring in our equine populations is of grave concern. It is as much of a welfare issue as an underweight animal. And I think we need to start treating it as such because of the instance of disease, their, even the fact that there's changes to their gait, their increased instance of lameness, of arthritis, of laminitis, of equine metabolic syndrome, you know, we're causing a lot of problems. And I think in the long run, we're absolutely killing them with kindness. Yeah, well said, Kate. And I think if there's any takeaway is, um, like Kate said, get maybe a second opinion on evaluating your horse's weight, and then, you know, take action, head off, um, it continuing because it kind of is like a snowball effect. And once they're in their later years, um, you know, it might save them from the discomfort of a metabolic issue or an endocrine issue. And, uh, you know, exercise never hurts a horse as long as they're uh, not lame and they're a sound horse. Um, I think in the end, it's like us, uh, the more movement we do, the healthier we become. And it's the same way with our horses. And it's great for their minds as well. Like yeah. having having that work keeps their minds young too. And I think that's something we could probably do another paper on. I don't know if there's much research into the instances of um, kind of, I suppose, cognitive decline in horses, but they're doing a lot more research into cognitive decline in our companion animals like our dogs and cats. That comes with age and it happens in people too. But that exercise it's just good for the body good for the mind and I think overall it's just good for welfare so where horses can't be exercised as much then that is where we need to look at their rations what we're giving increase that low uh, quality forage like Nancy said and include enrichment so yeah. you know like things that they can play with or busy work for when they're trying to get their food try and mentally stimulate them as well yep well Kate that's all I had this was a I really enjoyed this paper and uh, anyone wanting to know more about the effects of um, equine exercise physiology diet look up uh, Dr. Shannon uh, Pratt Phillips uh, she's got some great research out there and um, you know easy to read and uh, I think makes a difference so Thanks so much, everybody, and we'll be back next week. And Kate, we'll have to look for that cognitive decline in horses and see. Yeah, if I may have opened a wormhole with that one, but yeah. we'll have to look and see. <laughs> okay, see everybody next week. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. So I have that mare that has PPID, and one thing about her when she was younger, she always seemed to be cycling year round. And I've probably, she was a little overweight. It's definitely kind of a neat, uh, affordable way. If you have an iPad that will take a 3D photo, you measure 
different aspects. There is a paper in the references of this paper that tells you how to use that iPad to make those um, fat measurements on a horse. And I thought that was pretty neat. And, but, you know, you really have to take into account your input, your uh, angle of photography. And so it might not be 100% accurate, but I think if, you know, even just pointing you in the direction of too much fat is better than uh, not enough. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because there are so many different ways we can measure it. And it is just about kind of working out what's going to work best for your horse as well. And actually, on that note, I did want to point out that the paper talks about um, certain breeds of horse are obviously heavier than others. So ones horses that are naturally heavier and have a bigger build would likely have heavier bone to support that extra force and weight. So a smaller horse as well that's carrying extra loads as fast will have some degree of bone remodeling to support the body weight as in humans, but perhaps not sufficiently and tendon support will still be negatively impacted. So it is interesting how the bone can change in horses with this added weight because it needs to try and support the body because of the stress it's being put under. But there are certain breeds, obviously, like when we think about, you know, our big heavy breeds, like our Clydesdales and things like that, they're going to have a heavier bone density to try and support that frame because they've evolved and they're genetically created to be that way. It's not us that necessarily posed that problem on them. Yeah, and I did find that uh, in the paper, Kate, on that iPad scanner. Um, it says another novel system has been developed to objectively quantify body volume using three-dimensional scanning methodology. This system could be used to monitor changes in volume due to either fat gain or loss or muscle development or wasting. Torso volume was correlated with tail head fat in quarter horses. This technology shows promise as it appears to be high accuracy or to show high accuracy and requires no contact and is available at a low cost. So that's that new iPad Pro um, 3D scanning that comes automatically on your iPad. Now, I don't know if it's on iPhones or not, but there's something to think about. Uh, if you have a scanner that'll do 3D photography, look up that paper. It's Masura et al. And it uh, is a 2021. It's listed at the end of this paper because I think that could be a really neat measuring device. Yeah, and something that would be accessible then no matter where you are. And I think if you're in a more rural-based area, that's a tool that you could probably use in conjunction with a vet as well to just yeah. get more metrics or to send in or, you know, that we're under a bit of a crisis now with having vets and being able to get them out to um, to farms. So anything that we can use that's going to help us, you know, aid us in any way is going to be very useful but that one sounds very promising 
and it did say it has good accuracy. Yeah, I, you know, it was the water measurement that overestimates fat mass. So the deuterium oxide, and you know, that seems like it's kind of complicated to use. So, but an iPad Pro scanner, or maybe an iPhone scanner, Fully. I mean, we all have cameras on our phones. So, uh, you might, you know, I think I'll look into that to see what technology um, you need or what iPhone or iPad, um, you probably the most recent, but I don't know, you look into it and just see how to uh, figure that out. And then uh, the only other thing I wanted to say is this paper said that the adiposity can affect um, reproduction because it does not allow a mare to go into an estrus during the winter. So, you know, if you have a young mare that keeps cycling year round, kind of talk to your vet about that. I wish I would have because, uh, you know, we always were like, you know, there goes Mary, she's in heat again and it's January. Well, that should have been a red flag. You know, that's talent should have told me that there was a hormone malfunction or an endocrine malfunction, probably caused by internal fat deposits that I couldn't see. She might have looked um, good on the outside, but once again, you know, we're we're taught to kind of like a little well-bodied horse versus a skinny horse. And so, um, you know, just think about things like that and run them by your vet and, and see what they have to say. And the paper does point out that this excessive adiposity or excessive fat cells may contribute to potentially shortened careers and or the lives of these equine partners. So it is a welfare issue and their last sentence, I think, really is very um, important. So the current trends in many equine disciplines that appear to reward excess conditions, so fat in other words, and the increased overall incidence of obesity that is occurring in our equine populations is of grave concern. It is as much of a welfare issue as an underweight animal. And I think we need to start treating it as such because of the instance of disease, there, even the fact that there's changes to their gait, their increased instance of lameness, of arthritis, of laminitis, of equine metabolic syndrome, you know, we're causing a lot of problems. And I think in the long run, we're absolutely killing them with kindness. Yeah, well said, Kate. And I think if there's any takeaway is, um, like Kate said, get maybe a second opinion on evaluating your horse's weight and then you know take action head off um it continuing because it kind of is like a snowball effect and once they're in their later years um, you know it might save them from the discomfort of a metabolic issue or an endocrine issue and uh you know exercise never hurts a horse as long as they're uh, not lame, and they're a sound horse. Um, I think in the end, it's like us, uh, the more movement we do, the healthier we become. And it's the same way with our horses. And it's great for their minds as well. Like yeah. having, having that work keeps their minds young too. And I think 
that's something we could probably do another paper on. I don't know if there's much research into the instances of um, kind of, I suppose, cognitive decline in horses, but they're doing a lot more research into cognitive decline in our companion animals, like our dogs and cats. That comes with age and it happens in people too. But that exercise, it's just good for the body, good for the mind. And I think overall, it's just good for welfare. So where horses can't be exercised as much, then that is where we need to look at their rations, what we're giving, increase that low uh, quality forage, like Nancy said, and include enrichment. So, yeah. you know, like things that they can play with or busy work for when they're trying to get their food try and mentally stimulate them as well yep well kate that's all i had this was a i really enjoyed this paper and uh anyone wanting to know more about the effects of um equine exercise physiology diet look up uh dr shannon uh pratt phillips uh, she's got some great research out there and um you know easy to read and uh i think makes a difference so Thanks so much, everybody. And we'll be back next week. And Kate, we'll have to look for that cognitive decline in horses and see. Yeah, if I may have opened a wormhole with that one, but yeah. we'll have a look and see. <laughs> okay. See everybody next week. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.